0: So, welcome back to another episode of the Two Birth and Beyond podcast. It is Anita here, and today I have a returning guest, Hannah Ross, who is also a public health physiotherapist. And you may know her if you've heard some of her past episodes. And so, today we'll be talking through what virtual physiotherapy care looks like, including some myths, some benefits. And if you're a health professional listening in who wants to incorporate more virtual care into your practice, stay tuned until the end because Hannah has some specific info for you. So Hannah, welcome back. Hey, Anita, thanks for
1: having me. I'm so excited to be back. I love hanging out with you.
0: So for those who maybe haven't heard um, you on past episodes before, can you share a bit about yourself?
1: Absolutely. So my name is Hannah Ross. Um, I'm a pelvic health physio. Um, I am a clinic owner of a public health and women's health clinic in Midtown, Toronto. And I am a virtual care cheerleader. I love, I'm passionate about um, coaching other clinicians to embrace virtual care. Um, and I help them to provide excellent virtual care, not just a band-aid solution, which is sort of how many of us were thinking about it originally. So thank
0: you for having me. Great. So why don't we jump in first to what is virtual physiotherapy care? Because I know this past year, it's become a lot more common than before. Um, And so there's still a lot of people who don't actually know what virtual care is. So Hannah, do you want to Kind of start answering that one?
1: Sure. Um, I think that when people think about physiotherapy, the first thing they think about is us putting our hands on people. And um, one of the things that we now know through a lot of our research is that, I mean, we know physiotherapy works, we know we get great outcomes, but we actually didn't understand the reason why we got good outcomes before. We actually attributed so much of of the reason why our care is helpful to the fact that we put our hands on people. And now we know that most of the reason why somebody gets better is because of all the other things that we're doing, the exercise that we're doing with them, the relationships we're building, the actual care that we're giving our clients. And so virtual physiotherapy is essentially doing everything you would do in a physiotherapy session with the exception of not having somebody put their hands on you
0: mm-hmm. yeah, no, I think that's really, really great. And the fact that there is so much we can do as physiotherapists to help, um, as you said, without necessarily the hands-on component. And when things first started during the pandemic, um, depending where everyone is list- or where everyone lives who's listening, it may have looked different. So for a lot of us, for physiotherapy, we could continue seeing clients, but only virtual. So there was no in-person option, whereas where we are now, there can be a combination. So there can be hands-on, which we'll talk about a little further on kind of virtual treatment. Um, So now we can do a combination, but yeah, in terms of a lot of people, I think are just surprised of the benefits of virtual care.
1: Yeah. And I mean, nobody is more surprised than, uh, than physiotherapists or like our, ourselves. Right. Yes. I think that when we, um, we were, we were providing some amount of virtual care prior to the pandemic. Um, it was an option for our clients who are traveling very far to see us. Um, we would have not, not every single appointment would be in person. Some of them would be um, virtually uh, for people who had last minute meetings come up we would use it as instead of cancelling let's keep you going um and we we would see them virtually so we had some of the systems in place we had some of the technology in place um, but like maybe Anita, maybe we were seeing one or two clients a month virtually but what that enabled us to do was that um here in toronto we went into like uh, we were told that we couldn't be in clinic The week of March 15th of 2020, Mm -hmm. Uh, the 13th was the Friday and the 13th, I sent out an email to my entire list saying, we are here for you. We are, we have the highest cleanliness standards. We're going to ensure that your care has, is going to continue. And we're going to continue in clinic because, you know, every one of us in my team, we met and we were like, "Our, our clients need help and they need our support. It's our role to ensure that that happens exactly it, yeah. right like that's that's really what it comes down to um is is who are we we're we are clinicians and our goal is to help our clients achieve their 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 own
0: goals exactly um, and I know but, that we we I mean we chat all the time and so when this first started we're Hannah's, you our secrets, I, <laughs> on a honest practice and my practice very were very similar so we did essentially the same thing when this first started And what I found great is I did the same thing, emailing clients like right away. And the response was so many clients said, I was going to email you and ask if you could offer this before I even got your email. So, and I think everyone is going to be different. I know for my clients and similar to you people book online and we send exercises through an online program. So I think depending on what you're used to, if you're a client that is used to communicating with your physio through other technologies, then it was, it wasn't as big of a shift, I think maybe then for um, depending on how the practice works. Um, So I thought that was fantastic. And yeah, as you mentioned, like to continue the care and Han and I both We're both pelvic health physiotherapists, so we're orthopedic as in we treat the entire body, shoulders, back, knees, ankles, but then also every client we see has a pelvic health concern or goal, and a lot of people are surprised we can actually treat the pelvic floor through virtual care. Um, because there is so much education involved that a lot of people aren't aware of what where these muscles are, how they work with the rest of your body, um, and that we can actually change symptoms without necessarily having uh, an internal exam. Yes, yeah. and
1: I think well, I think that this comes down to in general a lot of misinformation around public health physiotherapy. I think the again the majority of our clients expect that. We're, they're going to come in and we're just going to give them Kegels and then they're going to leave. And what the way that we practice is from a biopsychosocial model of care. We, we really addressed people holistically, hence your name, holistic health physio, right? Like we're really, we are going to take, we're going to take stock of what you as an entire person and the the pelvic floor does not exist in a silo. It, it, it is responsive and it participates as part of the you're, you're you as a human being, not just a single muscle group on its own. Um, and so when we're the majority of our clients, even in an in-person assessment, we're are so surprised by how many, how much we are doing outside of the pelvic floor and how effective those strategies are without giving them Kegel.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think it's also, I mean, this past year, a lot of different health professions, not just physios, have incorporated virtual care. And I think between professions, there can be a lot of differences what that looks like. Um, So some, it might only be by phone, like only a phone call. So there's no video involved. They can't necessarily see you move. And depending on what health professional they are, they may not need to see you move. Um, Whereas for physios, or at least how Hannah and I do virtual, Um, it's through video. So when we talk about some of the benefits of virtual care, we'll dive deeper into this, but being able to see you and see you move and being able to kind of show you, we have like pelvic floor models, like there's so much benefit to still having that visual component, essentially as if you were in the clinic and we were demoing things or you were demoing things that you can see over video, we would have done in person or we do in person now. So I think that's also a misconception is maybe there's not as much benefit because it's, it is virtual um, in that respect. And also sessions too, uh, depending on the profession, like virtual appointments, may be a 10 minute phone call. Whereas for us, it's still the same amount of time as if you see us in person, because we still can do so much in an assessment or treatment. 100%
1: hundred yeah, percent. And the, I, I think that the, again, like what the idea of pelvic floor physio being just internal work is a misconception because we have to address, we're still orthopedic physios. If somebody's coming to me because they're leaking when they're running, I want to watch them run. I want to see how they squat. I want to see how they lunge. I want to see, I want to watch them do all those things. We're going to work on, um, you know, are they how how are they breathing while they're running all of those pieces truly affect their pelvic floor and what's happening in and around that whole system um and that doesn't have to happen in a in-clinic setting
0: Mm -hmm. and that's actually perfect we're going to dive into the benefits of virtual care so kind of tagging on to what Hanna was just saying being able, like, even right from the get go in an assessment, I talk to clients of, you know, we're going to go through medical history and injury history and past births or like birth preferences. We're still going to do all of that going through um, a history and intake. But then, similar to in clinic, I'm going to watch you move. So, let's say you're leaking pee when you squat. I can see you squat virtually through video, and we can already start making strategies and adjustments to help with your symptoms just through video, which a lot of clients are very surprised and also very <laughs> happy about that, even in a virtual assessment, there's already gonna be um, change in their symptoms. Or like you mentioned, I've been loving in terms of running, clients who want to be running, um, I can even like depending on the Wi Fi capability, even having them go outside and I can actually watch them run. Or I've had clients who have treadmills at home, so I can watch them run on the treadmill. And we're able to make those strategies and adjustments like right away, so they can feel changes in symptoms right away. So it's, I think there's been a lot of benefit to actually. People being in their home or some people will do it from their office depending what they're doing or I have teachers who they will book their time when they when the kids are out on recess or lunch or on their spare and so then they actually have their classroom to to be able to move. So I found it so much fun and then really convenient as well for clients. And the piece that I
1: really like about it aside from it just being an effective method of um helping our clients achieve what they set out to achieve is that um what it provides is like for those teachers for example if they needed to see you in that week they probably wouldn't have been getting to, in to see you otherwise because to get to your office and back in that 30 minute recess period would have been impossible for them but now we are literally bringing physio to them as opposed to making making um making our clients come to us. Um, I actually posted this on social media last night. I was, you know, when we say we're providing client-centered care, we say that we're taking the client, like, you know, that the client is at the, what, when we're creating treatment plans, we're always doing it, we're we're adapting it to each individual client. But are we truly providing client-centered care if we're saying to them, we want to treat you, but you're going to do it on our schedule? I know that 3.30 is a terrible time, but if you want to get better, come in at 3.30. As opposed to just saying, "Come on, you know, let's just hop on a will hop on a video appointment at your lunch break." Now that's convenient for them. It's working on their own time, and we're providing a treatment plan that's dedicated to them.
0: Mm-hmm, exactly. And you know, when it comes to Hannah and I, see a lot of clients in pregnancy and postpartum. And what's been great to in pregnancy, so when we're doing labor and birth prep to be able to have our client in the environment they're actually going to labor in. Um, And if their partner can be on any of those calls, it's great too, because then they're also in the environment they're going to labor. in. so it's actually been really neat because we can actually go through different parts of their house and, you know, find different strategies or different places where, you know, is great to do certain labor positions or whatnot, Um, So that's been really awesome with pregnancy and then postpartum, what's so great is exactly what you mentioned, Hannah, they don't need to leave their house when we see them kind of early postpartum. And they may have questions about setup, whether it's about um, nursing or bottle feeding or baby wearing or any of these things within also their home, we can actually visually see the setup and then can suggest adjustments versus if that's happening in person, we can still do that, but we don't necessarily get the same visual of what the environment looks like. Right. Right. And you know, it's like with the, the client who says, well, yes, I'm
1: sitting in this posture and in this way at work. And we're like, really? Cause you're sitting on the chair that you work at. You're not sitting like that. I can see you at work. "Quote unquote," and that you're not doing that. So it provides a level of accountability that uh, we never actually had before, and it's it's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, the the other thing that I think is super important about virtual care is actually the continuity piece, um, because you know, for for a lot of us, we, there's there's you know, we we are living through a pandemic right now, and um, we have clients who are calling us last minute and saying, my kid has the sniffles. Now my entire family needs to stay home. Um, and now we can't come into you for two weeks. If you don't offer, you don't have a offer for them in order to provide continuity of care in order to help them achieve their goals. What you're getting into is a stopping starting strategy where they're stopping their, their care, stop, starting, sorry, starting, stopping, starting, stopping. And we're not, You're it gets, our clients into this perspective where they're like, oh, it's just frustrating and not working because it is frustrating for them. And if we can, if we can provide virtual care and help them achieve the goals in the same way, whether they're able to come in or not, what you're doing is helping them achieve those things that they've set out to achieve. That is accomplishing the role that you've set out to provide. Exactly.
0: Yeah. And I agree, especially right now, how you said, like, it's You know, depending where you are, again, it's like day to day, again, things might change between, you know, the client potentially having symptoms, like if you end up having a runny nose, um, and then you need to stay home from work, or you can't come in, or even from a clinician point, we I mean, you have four kids, I've got two kiddos. Um, And so I mean, there's times too where if that's happening in a client's or a clinician's household, too. They may not be able to go into the clinic, so it just is so helpful, as you said. Like continue care, clients get the results they want; they get to their goals, and there doesn't need to be this big pause until the next time they're able to get into the clinic.
1: The other, the other, another aspect though about this is the fact that we have, um, as a as a profession, we've always provided our care in the same way, meaning. We've always like had one-on-one appointments in person, um, either in a clinic or in home. However you however you provide that, but that's really been the only way that we've provided care up to this point. And so we've all made this big assumption that because it's how we've always done it, that that's what our clients want. And what we've found in our clinic is that we are now providing we're about fifty to seventy five percent virtual, and um, depending on the client 25 to 50% in person and we have clients who are like i actually i don't want to come in i love virtual i never want to go back to in person and we have people calling just for virtual they have no interest in in person and they're telling me when i'm working with them that they would have never they would never have, have ever come in if it was in person but because we're offering virtual all of a sudden this this opened up the door to them or for them to provide to be receiving care in this way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that as clinicians, we think that just because we have people coming in with the offering that we're providing, we make the assumption that nobody wants any other offering. And what this the pandemic has really gifted us is the opportunity to expand our horizons and and really. Um, help to see more people and reach more people that we would have otherwise never have had the opportunity to help who really truly need our care mm-hmm.
0: i think that's a great point and it's great for people listening in if you've you know thought about going to a physiotherapist or maybe you felt like it wasn't an option right now just with the pandemic going on to know that you know check in with the physiotherapy clinics in your area because many are doing virtual care and as Hanna mentioned there there is often the option of just having virtual care. Um, And I've also find it's really expanded who clients can see. So depending where you live, Han and I are in Ontario, Canada. So we can actually see for physiotherapy anyone who lives within Ontario. So I've had a number of clients who, live hours away who would never be able to see me in person, but have wanted to, um, be able to see for physiotherapy care. So we get to do virtual care and they still get all those benefits. So I think it's really opened the doors for clients to get the, the care that they want and they need.
1: What's fascinating is,
0: you know, when, um,
1: something like the, the Peloton, when they first came on the market, I was going to spin classes regularly, and I was like, "Why would I ever want a Peloton?" Like, I just I prefer to be in in person, in a in a studio or in a, in a gym, and having somebody guide me. I would never want that. And then, you know, we had to lock our doors and stay in our homes for a while, and people were buying Pelotons left, right, and center. And now, when when gyms are open again, some people will go back to those gyms, but there's a vast number of people who will they're gonna keep their pelotons and they're gonna be exercising at home now. The 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 idea that just because you've always done things in a certain way, um that it's the right way, I think what this we have really we've had the opportunity over this past year to gain a ton of research um about the uh effectiveness of virtual care with physiotherapy, but also we've really gained insight into what what is in our client's best interest? Is it truly in our client's best interest to spend their entire day packing up their baby and coming into clinic to see me um, and then spending the entire day recovering from that? Or is it in their best interest to turn on their camera for half an hour so that I can watch them move and then they can go back and attend their baby?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so why don't we've talked a little bit about it, but why don't we kind of go through how a virtual assessment works and I know ours will be very similar so Hana, do you want to kind of start off what uh, what a virtual assessment looks like for your clients sure I mean a, a
1: virtual assessment is very similar to an in-person assessment but for the fact that during the assessment we don't do an internal the internal portion um, from in my uh, practice, we actually bring people in for the second visit and do an internal assessment then. Um, but we spend a lot of time talking about um, our client's goals, really understanding what does success look like for them when it comes to their uh, pelvic health and their physical condition. Um, we really spend a lot of time talking about their health history, their gynecological history, their urological history, like, you know, what. What are? When did their symptoms come on? What things make them better? What things make them worse? What is their sleep like? What is their diet and exercise look like? What does their stress levels look like? Do they have a support system? Um, we go through a whole bunch of different psychosocial um, markers, and also um, we have our clients prior to coming in fill out some um, psychosocial objective assessments, so that I mean we're not. I'm not a therapist, but I understand that uh, where a person is at emotionally has a massive effect on their physiology. And so I, I use, you know, we use valid measures to assess those pieces so that we we have a good understanding of that, that human being as a whole. Um, we watch them move, we watch them squat and lunge and sit to stand, and if they're, um, if they are experiencing any symptoms with transitions from sitting to lying. Like we watch them do everything. Um, we send uh, actually an email with a list of what our clients need to have on hand. It's not very complicated, but it makes my life a lot easier. Either a yoga mat or a towel, um, maybe some, if they've got like a sports ball or a yoga tuna ball or um, like a small, uh, kids ball to bring to bring that as well. We ask them to if they have any weights or a water bottle or a can to keep that on hand. And we we you know we make sure they've got all the anything that we would need to see that they've got that readily available when we when we're with them as well.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I think that's a great point. Is um, and we can get pretty creative um, with what people have at home to uh, to mimic whether it's weights or for example, like postpartum, if the baby's sleeping or we, if we don't want to disrupt the baby, they're occupied. Um, we will get, you know, something within the house that maybe weighs the same as the baby if we want to look at how they're lifting or if they're having symptoms holding the baby or anything like that. So yeah. exactly what Hana talked about uh, is very similar to how I do assessments as well. Um, because we do want to look at the whole person. So as Hannah mentioned, you know, um, Stress, uh, mental health, emotional health, all of that, and we've seen through the research too, can very much impact the pelvic floor. So as a pelvic health physio, but I think in general, all physiotherapists, even if you're not doing pelvic health, um, understanding those components of what the client is going through actually can be such a benefit to how they get to their goals or how you might navigate treatment. Um, to get there. And I love how you said, looking at all the different movements. And for example, I mean, we see a lot of clients who, you know, leak with coughing or sneezing. So we often will use like a fake cough to kind of mimic the pressure in the abdomen to kind Mm -hmm. of mimic what a sneeze would be like. And how I talked about earlier is often within that assessment, we can already start changing that symptom because we can give strategies which can involve changing Uh, posture, and how the pressure is going on to the pelvic floor. And even that education component is so key for someone to really understand where their pelvic floor muscles are, what they do, what they look like, which we use uh, a pelvis model that has the, the pelvic floor muscles on it. And for every client, you can just see these light bulbs go off. And they often say, like, I never knew this, like, no one talks about this, like, Someone told me to do Kegels at some point, but no one told me actually what that is or what that means, or if I'm even doing them right. So, so much within that virtual assessment can already start to change someone's symptoms. And like a massive
1: piece of it is also um, their GI system, right? Like how much water are you drinking? Are you constipated? Are you eating fibrous foods? What are your toileting um, habits? Like those things make a massive difference on quality of life. Um, And they are so easy to address in a virtual setting.
0: Mm -hmm. And so intertwined with the pelvic floor. Um, I think a lot of people, again, it goes back to the education. Like once people realize anything to do with bowels um or the tailbone which is where like the pelvic floor also attaches in at the back a lot of people had no idea that any of that was pelvic floor related and so like you said it's there can be a lot of simple strategies we can start to implement um and that can all be done virtually yeah I always like to say like we're going to keep it simple
1: unless we have to make it complex and we can make it complex but Mm -hmm. usually simple works Mm
0: -hmm. and then so what would uh, virtual treatment look like then? Uh, I, you know what? It's the exact same thing. If we're working
1: on ab rehab, we're, d- we're doing abdominal exercises. We're learning to connect to that area. If somebody's coming in with a lot of pain, we're doing a lot of um, mo- motor mapping and safety mapping and figuring out, you know, education around the pain system. If somebody's coming in because they want to, you know, run without, without leaking, we're going through running strategies. Like it's the same thing that we would do in clinic without that internal component. Mm
0: -hmm, Exactly. And like you mentioned, I mean, when you just heard us talk about the assessment, you can see how treatment, I mean, we already start technically treating within the assessment because we're already starting to address symptoms. So exactly. Virtual care is very similar. We're just continuing to progress towards your goals Um, like you said with movement and even it's interesting because depending on what's going on let's say if manual therapy would be beneficial there are many different types of techniques we can actually teach our clients to do themselves um, which which is really great and I think clients appreciate they're like oh I'm actually like doing therapy on myself this is so interesting so there's just so many things in that way. And like you said, watching like running or jumping, or I've had a lot of clients with various levels of, especially after this year, creating almost like a home gym. So we can go right to that area. And if they have questions about exercise, you know, we can actually watch them do it and make those tweaks again, because that is the equipment they're going to be using going forward. So That has definitely been uh, been a lot of fun. I think a lot of the hesitation um, for
1: therapists when they say like I don't know what to do during a uh, you know during a virtual session, there's truly it, there's truly no difference in the clinical reasoning that we're going to use when we're teaching when we're working in clinic versus virtual. What it always 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 comes back down to is what were the client's goals. What are their goals? If you, if their goal is to run, where are they at and what's the next milestone in order to help them achieve their goal? Like, and how are you going to do that in a virtual setting? If they need to learn to strengthen squatting or single leg, leg, um, squats or lunges, how can we make that happen in a virtual setting? And that just truly requires a little creativity. That's Mm -hmm. it.
0: Exactly. And I think it comes down to two, whether in person or virtual is someone's care should always look like their goals. So for example, if people want to, like you said, running, and I mean, this week I have so much fun with um, clients who want to get back to different sports or dance. And that's my background, but to bring it into physio is so much fun because this week I had clients who want to get back to ultimate Frisbee, to lacrosse, to soccer. And so they'll be the first to say they never at any point were lying on their back doing kegels like we quickly got them to connect with their pelvic floor and core and their pressure system and then continued to progress to make things specifically towards those sports and now they're actually their rehab exercises actually look like those sports and so clients um had her lacrosse stick during one session the other client had her um, soccer ball the other client we talked about integrating frisbee when she's outside with her kids so you know regardless of in person or virtual um, and I think as you mentioned for practitioners who um, aren't quite sure how to dive into that virtual side is it does come back to the same principles you would use if you were seeing someone in person is it should always be geared towards your goals. And you can do a lot of that virtually. Exactly. And sometimes, you know, if, and if somebody truly needs hands-on care, bring them into care. Like I
1: love, I love the hybrid model. And I just, I think that it's almost at, like, I call it an existential crisis for, um, for manual therapists because virtual care works. We have the science, we have the experience. Like we know that people are getting better at the same rate, Anita, if not faster. And and so what it comes down to is who are we if we are not manual therapists? And we are amazing rehab strategists. And what it comes, like we can just take these goals and take this problem and we can come up with a solution. Sometimes that solution involves my hands on a client. More often than not, it involves teaching those clients what to do, watching them, making tweaks um, and educating them about their bodies. But at the end of the day, we're not fixers. We're not, I'm not fixing someone's body. I am helping them to to learn more about their own body and helping them to, to, I don't even wanna say fix, like helping the body that heals itself. We just help that happen a little bit faster
0: hmm. Exactly. No, I love that. And so, yeah, if you're listening, and you've been wondering about virtual care, hopefully, this episode has really helped you kind of more understand um, what that may look like. And again, every physio and every clinic is going to be different and depending where you live. Um, but it can be worth checking in if you've thought about doing virtual care, um, check in with clinics kind of near you to see what the um, the options are. And for health professionals listening in, I wanted Hana on to share about, um, as you can tell, she's very knowledgeable in virtual care and made an amazing shift um, in her practice. And so she, from there, has created um, an online program to help other professionals do this. So Hanna, can you share a bit more about that? Sure. Um, we spent um, probably four or
1: five days a week um after our initial shift online we we were meeting my whole team for like four to five times a for hours at a time to really hone out the systems how to like how to perfect virtual care how to ensure our clients were going like we really spent months and months and months of time figuring out how to ensure that our care was as excellent virtually as it is in clinic um because that's something we pride ourselves on and um when we were allowed to be seen in seeing clients in clinic again, um, a lot of our colleagues went from 100% virtual back to 100% in in uh, in clinic, and um, now almost a year later, I'm getting nonstop calls from clinicians saying, like how how are you still operating in a hybrid model? What is going on? How do we do it? And so. I was answering everybody's questions one at a time. And then I was like, wait a second, like there must be a better way to ensure that we can get this content out to people. And so um, I created this course. It's our third time running it. Um, it's five modules and the majority of the clinicians who have participated were up and running um, in, and providing amazing care by the second week. And so um, I love it. I love running it. It's so fun. It's so empowering for the clinicians to really see that they're amazing clinicians. They just need some strategies and I've got those strategies. And so um, we are running it for the third time um, starting March 17th. um, And it's a um, a five-week course. We meet once a week on Zoom and we've got... Um, four amazing bonuses. We're helping um, clinicians transition to whatever model that they are looking for. 50%, 10%, 25%, 100%. um, And we help them map that out and then implement it and ensure that they're thriving. So it's been really fun and I'm excited to be doing it again.
0: Amazing. Amazing. So we'll make sure to put in the show notes, um, the link to connect with Hannah. Uh, so you can find out more about the course. And yeah, Hana, how can uh, people find you online? Sure, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at uh, Chana, C-H-A-N-A,
1: R-O-S-S-P-T. Or you can follow our clinic at Vital Physiotherapy and Wellness. Uh, same things at, uh, on uh, Facebook. Or you can come and uh, find us on our website, vitalphysiotherapy.com
0: amazing so yeah we hope this was helpful whether you're um, a community member wanting to see a physiotherapist or if you're a health professional and you were curious more about virtual care i hope this episode has been helpful and as always jess and i love to hear from you so feel free to always connect with us over on instagram at two birth and beyond podcast or you can find me at holistic health physio and send us a dm and uh, let us know if you have any follow-up questions